Welcome to Here's a Solution, the podcast where talking about work doesn't have to feel like it. Presented by Emily Shandruck Solutions with your host, Emily Shandruck and Chelsea Lockstead. Now, are you ready to get real about the everyday workplace? Welcome back to another episode of Here's a Solution. Yay! Episode five. I was thinking about our title actually the other day, Here's a Solution. I mean, I know that like our Instagram is Solutions Boss, and I really like to offer solutions, but I really want people to understand that it's not like the solution. It's here's a solution, mm-hmm. not the solution. That's true. So, and again, through feedback, it's been really great to to hear from people that have been listening to the podcast about, you know, some of their thoughts, ideas, and feedback. Mm-hmm. Dropping a little hint there about what today's podcast is about, and just sort of like what they've been able to take away. Mm-hmm. And it's been amazing because it's it's nice to know that like um, people other than our moms are listening to the podcast. <laughs> Although they are listening. For sure they are. So hi, Trish and Andrea. <laughs> so like we usually start off where I ask a question of Chelsea. So Chelsea, tell me about a time that you received feedback, whether it be positive or maybe constructive. Okay. I used to work in a hair salon as a teenager in high school and I would go directly to the salon after work, or sorry, after school, and I often would just go to school wearing something I knew I could wear to the salon after. But like, mind you, like I was like 16 years old. And one time I got the feedback from my boss that A, she didn't want me to be wearing, like I, I would often wear like Lululemon leggings. Okay. And she didn't want me to wear those to work, which is valid. Okay. But what she said to me was, you don't really have the body type to be wearing oh. leggings like that. Okay. That's Which, um, opinion. as a 16 year old was like, I will remember this forever. Clearly you have. <laughs> yep. Um, I think about it often. So yeah. So she gave me the feedback that she didn't really love the outfits that I was wearing to work. And she wanted me to dress a bit more professionally. And that's me like putting it into better terms for her. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Instead of just sort of maybe referring or reviewing the organizations, the hair salons, um, dress code. Yeah. Maybe reminding you that, you know, these are some of the um, examples of what we'd, we'd like to see you wear would be interesting. Maybe if you remember if that was ever reviewed with you (laughs) pre-employment, No, I think it was definitely a place where, like, it's a hair salon, right? So you kind of need to look put together. Fair. Which I understand. Um, So it had been explained to me, you know, like, you should probably, like, have your hair done. Now as I'm saying it, like, I don't think she could tell me this, but she told me that I should probably be wearing makeup. Oh, okay. But yeah, I don't think there was ever... Yeah, I was never explained, like, specifically, like, what kind of clothes were appropriate. Okay. Yeah, interesting that your not not just clothing was brought into that but your body shape and type yeah and Um, my extremely fragile 16 year old self-confidence yeah I I I know some along the same lines during like from the time I was I think six or seven years old I was a Ukrainian dancer Mm -hmm. and I remember probably around the same time like 15 16 years old I, by that time, I was up in the seniors group, mm-hmm. and we used to have a choreographer come in from, I can't remember if it was Winnipeg or Toronto, to do workshops with us once a week 
to teach us new dances and, and, and things like that. And I was, we were all lining up and we had to put our arms out straight. So we kind of had a T shape. I'm, I'm doing this right now, listeners, as you, you know, mm-hmm. visual aids during podcasts are so key. The choreographer looked at me and sort of said, you know, do your knuckles drag on the ground when you <sighs> walk? Your arms are so long. And again, something that sticks with you for the rest of yeah. your life. So, you know, I often call my, my giant wing span or, you know, my orangutan arms that apparently my knuckles drag. So yeah, it's awesome at that young age to get that type of feedback yeah. on And isn't it crazy that like that choreographer probably doesn't even remember saying that. Never. Like it left his brain the moment yeah. he said it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I've been self-conscious about my arms Yeah, ever, ever since. since. Yeah. Yes. And that's why I was happy when like three-quarter length anything <laughs> came into style. Because I was like, hey, that's where how most shirts fit me anyway. There you go. So. Perfect. Yeah, it was interesting. Like the way my boss said it, it was very much in the way that like your mom or like your grandma might like like I don't know how to it's just that certain generation I think of like like I remember being like literally five years old and my grandma telling me okay it's time for you to learn how to suck in your stomach <gasps> oh geez yeah Man. um and I love my grandma dearly you know yeah. like just sometimes your faves are problematic yeah but like yeah. to this day I don't even think like I suck in my stomach and it's like I don't even think about it Man, feedback, guys. Yeah, feedback. <laughs> I remember always being told to sit up straight and to enunciate, enunciate, Emily. That was one thing my grandma used to always say. Well, those don't seem like horrible things. No, no. She was very, like, I remember we took a train once and I had to learn how to sit properly in the dining car. Mm. And it's really where I learned, like, she did etiquette lessons when I would spend summers. And I learned how to, you know, set a table using... 17 forks, knives, all the things. Like I know what, where, I know how to set the table if the queen is coming for dinner. Yeah. You know, listeners, this is all in the realm of feedback and, you know, feedback is a vital source of learning. Yet, as we've just proven, (laughs) receiving feedback is not always easy, especially if it seems untrue, Mm -hmm. unfair, or badly delivered. And when you're receiving feedback, It's a lot of times about the story you tell yourself about that feedback, you know, and kind of how that will affect you, how you take it on and how you control the story through your own emotions and thoughts. And I think as we've proven here, you know, especially if if what someone's telling you is so incongruent with maybe how you see yourself and feel like, you know, I think up until 16, I had never thought about how long my arms were. Mm. And now it's literally something I think about every day. And, and I really wanted to touch on feedback and how it is a part of difficult conversations, right? maybe even a part of exit interviews, you know, as our previous episode talked about, because during, you know, exit interviews and during difficult conversations, you're going to be giving and receiving types of feedback. But the one thing about feedback is, is sometimes it's, it's more formalized, like through performance evaluations, through like maybe check-ins with a manager, but it also can be very informal, such mm-hmm. as you indicated, um, you know, your your manager sort of sort of just saying maybe at the beginning of a shift, mm-hmm. like, leave the Lulus at home. Leave the Lulus at home. Yeah, we're going to unpack that again some other time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I have with many therapists. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you know, and maybe we'll just, we'll jump right into sort of uh, recognizing bad feedback. Mm-hmm. So some feedback that might not be useful, or again, some feedback that might not really be motivated by a real willingness to help 
you know, again, there's no exact formula to really recognize, but I have a few tips for ways to spot them. So if the feedback entails a critique of the type, you know, and this actually goes back to our conversation around difficult conversations, what I said, you know, don't do those like always statements, mm-hmm. right? So if the feedback is around stuff like you'll never do anything in life, you know, or mm-hmm. you always, you know, mess up this way, or you always just wear Lulu's to work kind mm-hmm. of thing. So you can ask someone to maybe change a behavior, or you might be asking them to improve upon a behavior, but you really want to have it come forward in a way that isn't necessarily hurtful, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're trying to pass on feedback to an employee, to a colleague, and I think this goes back to what we talked about a few episodes ago as well, what I call the shit sandwich, right? right. So like maybe frame it around a positive you know, include the piece in there about, you know, maybe it's something you're looking to change and then maybe like frame it in again, maybe. And again, it doesn't even have to be a compliment at the end, but it could be that strategy for moving forward. Mm-hmm. Like Chelsea, we really appreciate all that you do for the salon. We love that you're always on time. We would appreciate it if your dress was a bit more professional. So let us know if you need some examples of what that mm-hmm. looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think like as a manager, it's a person of authority in the business. It's your obligation to try to help enforce the feedback, like yeah. like you know, like fix whatever it is. Like if you're always late, okay, let's figure out why exactly. Or how can I help you either be on time or how can we adjust your schedule? Like you know, it's not just okay. You're always late. Like let's figure it out. Yeah. You know, there needs to be more. Yeah. And again, a statement like you're always late. That's not helpful feedback. No. You know, you know, I've noticed you've been late four times this week. Mm -hmm. You know, is there something we need to talk about exactly like you just said? Because it could be a simple thing of, you know, I maybe they moved and they're suddenly on a different bus route and the they can't make the bus schedule work with when they start. Mm-hmm. So is it a matter of could my shift start earlier or start later? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and it could be that very simple question or bringing up a potentially a difficult conversation to get feedback to say like, look, you changed the, maybe you changed the schedule. Maybe all of a sudden mm-hmm. you adjusted when they were coming in and you didn't actually have that conversation with them. So I want to talk about feedback in the way where you do change your behavior, but mm-hmm. they still constantly criticize you. Mm-hmm. So thinking back to the example you gave, so maybe you start wearing more tailored pants and you're still being criticized. Like Chelsea, I don't like you wearing navy pants mm-hmm. or Chelsea, you know, why aren't you wearing more mascara? There's feedback when you attempt to change and then things still happen. Mm-hmm. And the part about that that makes it really hard is that you then have no incentive to ever take the feedback forward. Right. Like you're never going to listen to this person's feedback again if they're constantly just going to be criticizing you, mm-hmm. right? The other part about bad feedback is when it holds the relationship hostage. And what I mean around that is when someone offers you maybe even off the cuff feedback, but then they say, well, feel free not to take it, you know, but if we don't, we're done, that kind of thing, right? right. So that's not really feedback. That's more of a threat. <laughs> yeah, a veiled threat. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's, it's not even a warning, right? It's not even a, Look, if you're late again, don't bother coming in, yeah. right? There's there's no feedback. You're literally just threatening somebody's behavior, yeah. right? And then it's always on you to do the changing. 
versus asking for feedback and, and being, I think if you're, if you're giving feedback, I think you almost need to also be open to maybe receiving a bit of feedback yourself Absolutely. around the situation, right? Yeah. Because it's one of those things that can so quickly, not spiral, but like, so say you get feedback that you don't work well with others, but then it can so quickly be like, well, this other person we have a hard time working together and it's getting like another person involved. And maybe there's other factors that are contributing to whatever the feedback is that you got. So maybe it's, it can't just be that person that's receiving the feedback's responsibility to fix something, right? Like there can be more going on that needs to be explored. Absolutely. And I love that example you brought up of you don't work well with others because I think that that's almost one of those all or nothing statements, right? Because it's like, you don't work well with others. Well, who? Have you worked with everybody in your organization? Yeah. Have you worked with everybody on the team? And where is this feedback coming from? Is this feedback coming from a person that you did actually work with? You know, or did, is it, was a project late and suddenly your manager saying, well, you don't even work well with anybody. Right. Like, I think it's so broad. And again, to your point, like we were just saying, receiving other feedback. Maybe you did have to do like a project with somebody or you were needed to put in a report and maybe this other person has kids and they have evening activities. So you could never connect in the evening. Mm -hmm. Does that make them a difficult person to work with? Or does that just mean they have a different work style? And maybe because of your day-to-day scheduling, you can't really connect. Well, again, does that make either of you difficult people to work with or that neither of you can work well with others? Or do you need to come back to maybe the manager or whomever puts you in this situation and say, look, we either need to adjust other priorities or other people need to take on this work. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's those big statements like we were talking about before. So how do you drill down and try to figure out through feedback, through conversations, like where the pain point is and how do we fix this? Mm -hmm. You know, and when we look at feedback, like many things, like we were just talking about at X interviews about like, you know, a, a beginning, a middle and an end. So there are three parts sort of to a feedback conversation. There's the opening. So, and, and I think this is an area that is, is often skipped. You usually kind of like jump right into the problem, right? right? Again, you really want to clarify what kind of feedback you want to give, or, or maybe you're asking somebody for feedback. Mm-hmm. Maybe you, you want to know how you did on something, whether it was like a school project, maybe a work project, maybe it was a presentation and you, you want to ask for feedback again, Having that opening being like, look, this was my first time presenting to this client. I would love for you to share, you know, what your experience was in that meeting. Again, be specific about what type of feedback you're looking for. If you want to say like, you know, if you were in like you were in that meeting, would you have bought, you know, that product for me? Would you have believed that I'm the right person to carry out to carry out that event for you? Mm -hmm. You know, be, be specific about your feedback. Again, like sort of like the body, the middle part of the feedback conversation is that two-way exchange. And again, if you are receiving the feedback, be open. If you've asked for feedback, be open to listening to it. You know, don't always jump in and try to to problem solve. Mm -hmm. Maybe listen to it and then, you know, sort of ask like, you know, can I share like my thoughts on this now kind of thing. And then at the end, kind of the closing, like those clarifying comments action steps, maybe benchmarks. I think it's really important if you're giving feedback and if you're expecting maybe a different outcome from it to sort of say, okay, look, we're going to ask you to wear more tailored pants. And then, you know, 
should something come up, we're going to check in again in another month, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Or if there was like a performance issue, again, coming in late, mm-hmm. you know, benchmarks, you know, we'll, we'll touch base in a couple of weeks and see if the new schedule works for you, that kind of thing. And making sure there's always like a follow-up. I find that that's a piece that's lost in, in so much of like what we talk about is there's an action item, there's something we put out there, and then nobody ever follows up with it. And I think it makes the person receiving the feedback feel like, well, is that actually something I need to do? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. And then they're probably just not going to do it. Exactly. If they don't feel that there's going to be any follow-up. And I try to explain that to people that always have that that follow-up, like, pre-scheduled. You know, and thinking about feedback and how it happens a lot in performance evaluations. So some of the things that I talk about with the MBA students is around performance evaluations mm-hmm. and about how if they are starting a new job to find out right from the start, first of all, when and how often they're getting evaluated. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, it'll be after your first three months of like probationary period. And then sometimes it's only annually or every six months, but find out when and how often and then find out what those criteria are, because if you're going to be evaluated on it, you better make sure it's stuff that you're actually working on and being assigned to. Otherwise, when you sit down for an evaluation and you're receiving feedback on certain areas, if you had no idea that you were supposed to be doing it, how would you actually be able to take in that feedback? An example that a friend of mine shared with me when I was talking to her about how feedback was going to be a future episode was her son worked in a sort of like an athletics sporting environment. Mm -hmm. You know, he was in charge for like setting up when youth would be playing games and then cleaning up and like helping run some of the drills and things like that. And during his first performance evaluation, he scored really low on this one section. And he asked, he's like, well, what does that mean? Like, why did I get a four out of 10 on that? And the person doing his evaluation said, well, you never put the pennies in the laundry. You just leave them. And he said to the person, I've never been told to put the pennies in the laundry. Right. And, and so it was like, Oh, and not to say that maybe you should have known, like, you can never assume (laughs) what does assumptions do? Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So knowing that ahead of time. And then, I mean, I'm, you know, my friend told me from that day going forward, he always put the pennies in the laundry and that was never an issue. Right. But he, not knowing what you're being evaluated, not knowing what you could potentially receive feedback on, how yeah. are you ever going to do it? Well, and that just makes me think of like, so with report cards, for example, when a teacher gives a report cards to the class, like to a specific student, if that student is having difficulties in any subject matter, that should not be a surprise to the parent on the report card. hundred percent. There should have been leading up to that communication between the teacher and the parent. So when the parent sees like a 52 on the report card, it should not be a shock. So it makes me curious why no one ever mentioned to this person, hey, can you please put the pennies in the laundry? Like why wait till their performance evaluation right, to say something? <laughs> right. Like this could this literally, to me, that doesn't even have to be like a very formal feedback conversation, you know? It's just like, oh, hey, by the way, can you put the pennies in the laundry? Yeah. You bring up a really great point again about performance evaluations. And it's one thing when I had a larger team under me, I always said to them off the bat, when we sit down to do your annual review, nothing about that should be a surprise. Mm -hmm. When I score you and I share it with you ahead of like our meeting, 
you should 100% know everything I'm talking about under like needs improvement or things you've done really well. Because I want to celebrate the good, but I want to share with you some areas of improvement. Mm -hmm. And I think I achieved that because going forward, whenever I would have those conversations with my team, there was never a question about whether or not they were going to sign off on their evaluations. Mm -hmm. Again, because nothing was ever a surprise. Because if you're having potentially difficult conversations around along the way, if you're providing feedback and offering areas for actionable steps to be taken, then by the time you get to the evaluation, by the time the kids get the report card, mm-hmm. I know I heard from like a friend of a friend that, you know, oh, so-and-so's daughters, you know, they had to cancel their trip this summer because they have to go to summer school because they got such a bad report card. And, and I, I kind of had that same conversation where I went, well, why was the summer trip booked? Yeah. Because if it was, if this report card was a shock, then I think that's a, bigger conversation and a difficult conversation to have with the educator. Yeah. Right. To sort of say like, what, like with the parent, like what were you ignoring? What's going on? Yeah. 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 So one book, and I'm definitely going to put it in our show notes. One book that I heavily rely on when I'm learning and trying to just figure out my own way of, of sharing feedback is it's called thanks for the feedback. Mm. And it's by authors, Douglas Stone and Sheila Heen. There's also a really great YouTube video. I think it's from about four or five years ago and they kind of go through the whole book and it's like a, a lecture kind of type series. I think it's about an hour long, but it's really great. And they really kind of go through some of those like feedback conversations. They go through, you know, seeing those triggers around maybe potentially bad feedback. I really love it because the book really zooms in on that art and science of feedback, how you can give it, how you can take it how you make the most of it. And again, they really focus on the communication, the learning techniques and communication around learning about ourselves and how that can be sometimes a little painful. And around that idea around, I'm not good enough. I think that's a common thing around when you're receiving feedback. Mm -hmm. And and again, I think it it can kind of be the way feedback is shaped to you, Mm -hmm. but to really internalize a lot of things. And I know we kind of touched on this when we were talking in exit interviews that if you are a business owner, even a manager, you know, if you're doing an exit interview yourself with an employee and they're telling you about things that are, have gone wrong in the workplace or have led them to want to leave, it's really easy to take that so personally. Yeah. And especially if it's really incongruent with how you see yourself mm-hmm. as a manager, as a business owner, as something, you know, like anybody connected to what they're talking about. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And like on the employee side of that, it's, it's so hard when you really start to like, think about like, you can't just be a work person. You can't just go into your work and be like, now I'm, I'm a work. This is me at work. And that's oh, separate yeah. from who I am as a person. And so like, I'm someone that I really am self-critical and I take things very personally, but I, I hold on, I hold them really close to myself, you know, and I really like stew in it. And so like I present the challenge to a manager where if they're giving me feedback, they need to get across to me that maybe, maybe they don't honestly, I don't know, but like me personally, like I need to be liked. Like I want to know that if I'm receiving feedback, I'm not a bad person. You still like me. (laughs) That sounds silly to like say out loud. No, absolutely not. But it's like, I, I am someone that will put on myself and I can recognize that it's me like, okay, I'm getting feedback. 
Am I about to be fired? Like, am I horrible at my job? And that's, that's the reality of you're going to have some anxious employees, you know? Absolutely. And so you need to take that into account. And when you are giving the feedback, I, I do think, and I think the person has to be like somewhat open with that, that like that's how they, they receive feedback. But I think you need to be able to shape your feedback in a way that kind of comforts the person. Like this is not your final warning. You know, this is not the third strike unless it is, but yeah, that it, it's all okay. Like this is the feedback. We're just, just so we can grow and improve, which is always something that we want to do, you know? And it's not like this end all be all like this. I, this is, I'm coming down and this is how you are as a person. And I think you, you bring up a couple of really great points there. So around like who you see yourself as and being your quote boss, which still feels weird to say, mm-hmm. but knowing that you, I'm going to make some assumptions, but you identify yourself as a very hard worker. Mm -hmm. And I'm only saying this because this is how I receive you. Right. Um, But I, you know, you you are a very dedicated, a very hard worker. You're someone that wants to do a good job. Mm -hmm. You're someone that will go the extra effort and mile to fulfill a project, to finish something, Mm -hmm. to make sure that a client customer experience is as good as it can be. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when you receive feedback on something, it can feel very much like maybe I'm not who I think I am. Yeah. And I think that just like you said, it's about framing that feedback. And so I think it comes up with two things and it's around, again, going back to our difficult conversations podcast around how you set this up. So again, it's not like, maybe an hour after an event is done, you know, I come up to you and I go, look, Chelsea, these are the three things that did not go well tonight. Yeah. Let's talk about them right now. Yeah. You know, you're tired. Emotions are high. Well, and it's, it's going to put in my head that everyone that was at the event did not take in any of the positives and all they took away from the event was like these three negatives. Right. Or that I've been stewing on these three yeah. things all night. Right. Yeah. So versus waiting a day. Mm-hmm pausing. I often say, if you have feedback, write it out, pause, Mm -hmm. maybe give it an hour, give it a day, write an email and put it in your drafts, Mm -hmm. read it the next day or a couple hours later. Are you still emotionally charged? Like, is this still something you really need to say to this person? Mm -hmm. But again, if, if you do have some legit feedback, you'd like to share because, you know, maybe you wanted a presentation to go a certain way. And it it didn't quite hit on the mark. And you need to share this with your employee Mm -hmm. so that the next time the presentation is exactly what you want it to be. But schedule it. Talk to the person. Mm -hmm. Set up a time in a meeting. And explain to them, like, I really want to go over. I want to debrief from this event. Mm -hmm. Let's meet tomorrow, 11 o'clock. That ensures that the person that will be receiving the feedback is prepared. They Mm -hmm. know that you want to talk about the event. You can even tell them, like, I want you to come to me with like, you know, my kids always talk about the rose and the thorn, right? Mm -hmm. Give me five things that went really well. Give me five things that you want to do better next time. Again, doesn't matter. I don't care what you're doing. Nothing is ever going to be a hundred percent perfect. And because again, we're not computers, we're human beings. I can have in my mind how I want something to go. And I can't necessarily download that onto a USB, insert it into your mm-hmm. brain and go, okay, now you know exactly what I want. Like I can, and I also don't 
this is me personally, but I also don't want you to just do exactly what I say. Right. I hired you for a very specific reason. And I'm going to say this for any employer. You hire people because you believe in them. You like their strengths. You like their ideas and their opinions. And I want you to put your spin on things. Mm -hmm. I want you to take my idea, you know, maybe execute it in certain logistical ways that I've asked you to. I didn't hire you to be my clone. I hired you Mm -hmm. to help support and grow in your own way too. So I think that's really important to, to make sure that you have those realistic expectations. You set up the the feedback conversation in a way where you're not surprising somebody, you know, Mm -hmm. you're not cornering them after an event, you're giving them that time and space to even think about things themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, it goes back to like the genuine relationship building with your employees where you might have to give the exact same feedback to two separate people. Yeah. And the way you deliver that might be different for both people, depending on who they are, their personalities and whatnot, you know? Yeah. That makes me think of, so we have recently recorded with a special guest. It was myself and a, another local female entrepreneur here in Thunder Bay. And, and she very eloquently spoke about how she does not treat her employees equally. Mm-hmm. She treats them fairly. Equitably. Yes. Right. Equitably and fairly, but not the same. Right. And what she was really trying to get at from that is she understands that everybody, they're unique. Mm-hmm. Everybody has different needs, mm-hmm. you know, and, and because she gets to know her employees so deeply and, and personally, although still with that employee-employer boundary. Right which, you know, we talked about the the delicate balance that that is, but she knows that maybe one employee might need, like she talks specifically about how she supports them around their mental health, mm-hmm. how if they need to go see a mental health professional, she helps support them and pays for that. Mm-hmm. But she knows that not every single one of her employees needs it. So it's, it's, it's that like, I'm going to treat you all fairly but I'm not going to, you know, cut the pie down the center every single time. Yeah. Right. Some people might get a little bit more pie this month because they need it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's something that I try to tell my kids about all the time. You know, I'm, it's not always going to be equal, mm-hmm. right? I'm not going to split the Snickers bar down the middle every time, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm going to try to be as fair as I possibly can yeah. to you so that you both appreciate and know that when I am giving one a little bit more of this or doing a little bit more with that other one, that it doesn't mean that I appreciate and love you less. Mm-hmm. It's just that some people need a little bit more Snickers than sometimes in that. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that really comes into play with um, like people that work and have families. Like my mom started in a role and had a manager and something that her manager was really great with was like when I was a kid, there were times where like my parents are separated. So when I was with my mom, she was effectively like a single parent and I had a late start school. Right. And she had to be with me until I got on the bus. I was too little to be alone. And so she would come to work. This day started at 830. She would have to get to work around like 9, 915. Yeah. And her manager. And I think this was still kind of at a time where like that was still kind of like not a thing. Like I think it's much more common to be like I work flex hours around my kids. And that wasn't quite a thing yet. And her manager was really great about being like, okay, then you stay till five instead of 4.30, you know, like we just make it work. And that's something that my mom is really taking with her now that she's in the manager position in that office. Yeah, like letting people do flex hours. But then what's 
hard is then having people like you were saying, like, it's not always exactly fair, right? Like if you aren't staying home with your child to watch them get onto the bus, doesn't mean you just get to come to work at nine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But then in other ways, like how does then that specific person that doesn't have kids when they need whatever they need. Right. Like maybe they have a doctor's appointment at one o'clock. Yeah. Right. And they need to, you know, shift their lunch or they need an extended lunch, Mm -hmm. you know, to be able to have that conversation and say like, look, I'm, I need 90 minutes for lunch, not 60. So I'll stay an extra half an hour. Yeah. Or maybe like once a week, I want to attend a yoga class, which is like a really great outlet for my mental health. Yeah. And it starts, I don't know, like it kind of runs into work time. Like one day a week, can I leave 15 minutes early, you know? Right. Yeah. Just the different situations for different people. Yeah. And to your point there, if at that time, maybe your mom's colleagues nitpicked about, well, how come Trish gets to come in late, Mm -hmm. you know, then maybe as a manager, you wouldn't be as open to allowing them to have flex. Like Mm -hmm. if they're going to push the buttons on certain things, like Mm -hmm. I think you need to really, again, like, and maybe that's part of feedback. Maybe that's just part of like a difficult and maybe not helpful conversation, but to maybe even be transparent with your staff. And that's one thing that I talked to, again, our special guest about the other day is around being very open with your staff about lots of things. Mm-hmm. And and again, that doesn't mean like sharing everything. But if you're a bit more open and transparent, then when certain accommodations are made for some, others fully understand mm-hmm. and appreciate it and go, okay, that means when I need this, I can ask for it. Yeah. You know, and that that, that open type of communication, you know, one thing I really love in, in the book I was talking about is, is sort of the types of feedback and how feedback can sometimes be mixed up with evaluation, right? You know, feedback is really loosely used to describe, you know, three types of information, um, as it's talked about in the book, you know, it, it, it can be appreciation. So offering that motivation or encouragement, you know, whether it's that simple thanks, whether it's, you know, and again, when we released the episode with the special guest, like that appreciation could be a trip to Mexico, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Another type of feedback could be around coaching. So really helping someone to learn and grow, to improve around like specific skills, knowledge, abilities, awareness, and stuff like that. It can really help accelerate learning. And then evaluation. So they really talk about that around like rating and ranking. And again, I kind of liken that more to a performance evaluation or, or that type of, you know, formalized feedback, right. you know, and it's really around aligning expectations, sort of clarifying consequences and decisions and for providing maybe reassurance or security. Right. So especially around your point around, like if someone's going to give you feedback to be maybe conscious about how you receive that, you know, if it is an evaluation, that's the type of feedback they're going to give you again to to clarify, like, like you kind of mentioned too, you know, is it a warning? Mm-hmm. You know, is it a, a verbal warning? Is someone going to then say, okay, I need to write this up and formalize it as a written warning. You know, I had a friend who was looking for some professional advice. They kind of said, you know, I need to, I need to talk to an employee. I might need to let them go. And I kind of said, okay, well, when have you had other feedback conversations with them where you've talked to them about how certain behaviors and performances weren't aligned with maybe those initial expectations. The unfortunate part was that there wasn't anything ever formalized around like in a contract to say, you know, you must do this and this. Mm-hmm. So that goes back to probably a future podcast around 
formalizing of policies and procedures. Mm-hmm. But again, it's it's it goes back to that, that other conversation we said around the performance evaluation. If you're expecting something out of your employees, has that been shared? Mm-hmm. So that when you do offer feedback, they can sort of compare and contrast it against what they knew they were expected right. to do. Because I think, and I think it was like the first thing I learned on day one of in my master's program around conflict management was conflict exists in that area where expectations aren't clear. Right. That's a good quote. There we go. So again, feedback, all a part of the beautiful world of difficult conversations, maybe exit interviews. I think it's going to be a common theme throughout future podcasts as well. Absolutely. And so again, if you have feedback, Mm -hmm. we'd love to hear from you. We absolutely would. Uh, You can find us on social media at at Solutions Boss on Instagram, um, Emily Shandrick Solutions on Facebook. We have a special email specifically for the podcast, which is podcast at emily shandruck that's s-h-a-n-d-r-u-k solutions.com um yeah and you can give us any feedback we've had on the past five episodes of here's a solution amazing uh so chels as we wrap things up what have you done for yourself lately so something that i'm doing for myself lately um i don't watch a lot of tv but when I do, it's trashy. <laughs> Love it. Um, I have no guilt about it. Don't try to judge me because I don't care. So I've recently started watching The Real Housewives of Miami, um, which is my third Real Housewives watch that I've done. And it is glorious. These women are unhinged. <laughs> um, it is pure escapism TV. They are ridiculous. Their outfits are ridiculous. Their shenanigans are ridiculous. And I just, like, love to sit back, turn my brain off for 45 minutes, and watch women scream at each other at a lingerie party. Amazing. Yeah. I, way back in the day, like, I think first year of Real Housewives of Orange County, mm-hmm. like, back in the original, like, Vicky days. Yeah. Um, I watched that when... I remember we were living in Vancouver, Toronto, and I had access to Slice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's one thing that since not having cable, I miss that. So when I can do my, like, selling sunset, mm-hmm. like, that's, I, I do. I, I nosedive into all those reality shows, whether it's too hot to handle. Well, and I firmly believe, like, because, like, the, the criticism they get right is, well, it's scripted, it's scripted. Yeah, and if it is, these are extremely talented writers. Like, this is hilarious. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, so that's what I've been doing. Um, I love it. And say what you want. Controversial. I love reality TV. So, Emily, what are you doing for yourself lately? Well, given that we are in January currently, although I have a feeling that the time that this podcast dropping will be actually February, but I am trying to not go down necessarily the resolutions mm-hmm. rabbit hole and think about all the things that I could do better or different or change, but I'm really trying to set intentions. Mm-hmm. And maybe that goes back to when we were talking about in our last podcast around yoga, because I feel like at the beginning of most classes, they ask you to set an intention. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting in one of my last yin classes, they sort of said, remember that intentions don't have to be these like big bold statements mm-hmm. but it could just be like small things and it, it was as she said the instructor at the beginning of the class of the day remember how you eat an elephant one bite at a time mm. so I'm going to look at 2023 as one bite at a time 
So I have some goals. We've written them on a giant sticky note on Mm -hmm. our door here in the office, but I really need to, what I'm trying to do right now is eat them like an elephant. So how do I create these bite size? Like if, if we have these goals, what are the small steps that are going to get us there? And it is going to be a lot of refining some of the work we have done, maybe some intention setting about some of the other things we want to do. But I really want to not just say yes to everything and be very conscious about how you and I spend our time and do the work. Mm -hmm. So I am trying to... To, to dig into that. And so I've, I've been going out of my comfort zone and like brainstorming and doodling <laughs> these things, which is not what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got it. So yeah. Love that. Awesome. Well, Amazing. thanks everybody. Yeah. And we will see you soon on episode six. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to Here's a Solution presented by Emily Shandruck Solutions. This podcast is hosted by Emily Shandruck and Chelsea Lockstead. Editing and sound engineering by Nick Donati. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and wherever you love to listen. And if you would like, you can follow us on Facebook at Emily Shandrick Solutions, on Instagram at Solution Boss. And if you have a question or a situation you'd like us to discuss on the show, send us a DM or email us at podcast at emilyshandrucksolutions.com. Shandrick is S-H-A-N-D-R-U-K. For more information, visit emilyshandrucksolutions.com.